Welcome to Explain to Shane. I'm your host, Shane Tews at the American Enterprise Institute. On this podcast, I interview tech industry experts to explain how the apps, services, and structures of today's information technology system work and how they shape our social and economic life. For several years, the Federal Communications Commission, or FCC, has been working to modernize the use of key sections of spectrum or radio waves to enable the innovation that enhances a more efficient use of radio spectrum. There's a specific section of the mid-band spectrum known as C-band that was put up for commercial auction, and the rights to this specific spectrum were purchased by mobile telecommunications operators. Now that this band of spectrum is ready to be deployed for commercial use for what is commonly known as 5G, or fifth-generation mobile, the Federal Aviation Administration is resurfacing concerns that they believe the mid-band or C-band spectrum used by mobile operators could potentially cause interference to aviation radar altimeter equipment. AT&T and Verizon have recently agreed to delay the rollout of 5G mobile connectivity due to the FAA's recent safety concerns, while also pointing out that the FCC's engineers have successfully debunked these safety concerns for over the last 17 years. And no new studies have been made public that clearly show a risk of safety by the conversion of these specific spectrum bands for mobile telecommunications equipment. Even the members of the business aviation industry have noted in their own industry newsletters that they seem to not really understand if this is a real problem pointing out that numerous other countries use the same band of spectrum without any cause for safety concerns. The underlying issue seems to be coming forward that this argument is actually about who pays for the upgrades that will be needed for older aircraft altimeters. Some in the aviation industry see this interagency issue as an opportunity to use these interagency discussions to negotiate a cross-industry payout by the mobile carriers of upwards of $100 million for aviation upgrades. I discussed today this interagency and inter-industry issue with the former FCC Commissioner Mike O'Reilly and Harold Feld. Mike has years of public service working in Congress, then he became the leading spectrum expert at the FCC from 2013 to 2020. Harold is a senior vice president of public knowledge and has a distinguished career as a regulatory legal expert in the communications policy space and is a frequent author of spectrum and broadband issues. On this episode, we discuss what the FAA's safety warning could mean to the future of C-band and more generally for the future of spectrum deployment in the wireless industry. Mike, in the last week, we saw that AT&T and Verizon stepped back from moving forward with their 5G deployment because there's still concerns by the FAA, which I'm a little confused on because I, I haven't seen a lot of actual studies on this. And I know you were at the commission when this issue was moved forward on C-band. Can you give us a little background? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me, Shane. I really appreciate it. And second, I should say that nothing I say today is an attempt to engage or advocate before the FCC in any proceeding. I like to put that out there so we don't have any problems later. Really, this issue is about problems from the altimeter industry or concerns by the altimeter industry and the FAA in the deployment of C-band spectrum for 5G services. It's something the commission considered. I considered as well you know, deep in, in, in the proceedings, uh, you know, spent many months on leading this effort. And we consider this, it seems like something that was asked and answered before. The question is, will the deployment lead to harmful interference to altimeters, and therefore planes will fall from the sky? I argue absolutely not. This is something that has been looked at, examined. There's very little data from the industry that supports their position. And now we have a little bit of a delay of a month, and I worry that it's going to extend even further going forward. And Harold, you have been very active on this topic, at least I've been following you on Twitter. So give us a sense of, you seem a little outraged by this. Well, yeah. I mean, this is just the latest example of a federal agency that did not like the result that it got at the FCC, and not even about 
primarily federal use spectrum, but about spectrum that's used by an industry that it regulates. And they didn't like what the FCC said. So despite the fact that the FCC is the expert agency that's in charge of this, the expert agency that, frankly, does this kind of interference dispute stuff every day as opposed to just protecting its own turf, nevertheless, they decided they were going to go out and fight a war in the press and try to force the FCC to block deployment of 5G networks because of some highly suspect interference concerns around the impact on these altimeters, the devices that tell planes when they're coming in and when they're you know, picking up how close they are to the ground. Now, obviously, we care about that. We don't want planes to fall out of the sky or smack the ground particularly hard when they're trying to land. And this is certainly a case where even if there is a modest risk of harmful interference, you want to be extra careful and make sure that you address that. But that's what FCC engineers do all the time. So you have the aviation industry coming in as advocates, including on the, we don't want to actually pay for any upgrades to our equipment that might be necessary as a consequence of the changing spectrum environment. You have, you know, the wireless industry comes in as advocates for their own position as well. We want to use the spectrum and we think this is what the safe parameters. And it's the job of the FCC engineers who are universally respected to make the call on how this works. And I can say from having done this for 20 years that the FCC engineers are always going to err on the side of caution. They are not ignoring any of the safety concerns. They take the fact that people's lives are at stake very, very seriously when they do this work. But Nevertheless, it just seems to be that some of these agencies don't like the FCC being the one to make the decision. I was researching this and I was reading some business aviation websites, and I thought it was interesting that even in their own blogs, they're like, it seems that no one really knows this is a real problem, and they haven't actually cited any studies as well. So I'm a little confused on the confusion. Why do we not have a definitive answer? Well, people have to understand, and Mike may be a better one to to explain this, having actually been there in the hot seat, but People think that the analysis of interference is like some kind of computer function where you put the the numbers in and out comes a result of does it interfere or does it not interfere. The reality is it's very complicated. Wireless spectrum, how the energy work depends on a lot of environmental factors, and you have to try to predict for things like what kind of equipment is going to be in use, what are the, the maximum amount of energy that might be released by a device if it's operating within its specifications. So there's a lot of uncertainty about this. And when you go to do your engineering study, you have to make some decisions about what are the assumptions you're going to put in there. Are you going to go with the best case assumptions, equipment that is working, you know, spanking new and working perfectly, and the new equipment is going to be operating completely within the power limits? Or are you going to go with worst case assumptions? that you're dealing with equipment that's very poor at rejecting unwanted signal and the devices that are going to be around are going to be very noisy. And you have to balance all these things out because worst cases do happen, but they also have to be realistic. One of the biggest problems is people assume a level of sensitivity that if their devices were really that sensitive, they wouldn't work in the real world because regular static electricity, you know, in this case, 
Regular static electricity that's the result of airplanes moving through the air would knock out altimeters if the altimeters were really as sensitive as the tests that have been submitted show. So you have to be very careful, but you also have to look at the data here. Well, I want to actually, you know, it, it's not too rare, but it's, it's not all every day that I agree with Harold on, on many points he just made. First and foremost, he's right that we've seen the federal agencies jump into spectrum policy on their own behalf recently, certainly in the last four or five years. You know, we had fights with the Department of Education, Department of Defense, Department of Transportation, NASA and NOAA over particular bans that they didn't, they felt aggrieved by the decision-making process, mostly through NTAA, either they didn't think they were represented or that they felt better in, in politics and going to the Hill and trying to find some friends to make their case and see if they could do end runs. And, and we were told that this administration was going to be different, that the past mistakes are going to be resolved. We're going to have collaborative process, but this seems more of the same, in my opinion, where now you've got FAA going directly to scare the American public. And Harold's absolutely right on, on the second part. And I've been in the hot seat and you have to make those decisions. The folks at OET are some of the most respected in the world at the job they do. They're very sober in terms of the calculations they do. They're very cautious. I've tried many times to push them in directions I would have liked to see them go. And they rebuffed my, my concerns or my timelines. And I, and I respected them. I, you know, I pushed as hard as I could. And, and then you have to respect where the science is at that moment and what the, the math that they're, they're conducting. And so Harold's absolutely right on the third point. There's been very little data that's been done in this space because the altimeter industry, for whatever reason, didn't have their act together and then tried to come in. I was set, you know, and, and come in and make a presentation. The world's going to fall apart if we don't give them a buffer or protection zone of 500 megahertz, which is absolutely ludicrous. At the time, they had no real data to back it up. They had one study and it, it points to the, you know, the worst case scenario. And look, at there's, there's a probability of things not working, right? There's a probability that a meteor will hit the world and end humankind. There are probabilities and you have to take them into account and then still make a decision on how best to move forward. And so that's what I think we did here. We, I say the collective in the United States did, the commission did at the time. We moved forward you know, to help facilitate 5G and while still protecting all the other interests, including the FAA. And I thought the agency went far and beyond what it should have done or could have done you know, or needed to do to make FAA understanding of where we were and also a process to go forward, it was probably a little bit beyond a necessity, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I just want to point out a couple of things here. Number one is we're dealing with globally harmonized bands. That means this is not, the FCC is not the first agency to take a look at this. There are about 40 other countries in the world that have authorized use on this band, C-band, for 5G technology. And the band that's the altimeter band is globally harmonized, so it sits directly above it. Now, not all of these countries have things, you know, the same rules, but some of the rules are, in fact, more aggressive than what we have. Japan, in particular, I will point out, allows use for 5G up into the part of the band that the FCC has excluded 5G operation from. And we don't have any actual reports of harmful interference or incidents that could arguably be caused by harmful interference. So this is where I have to ask myself, okay, it's certainly plausible that the FCC could make a mistake. You know, everybody is human. That's possible. But 40 different regulators looked at this and didn't find the problem that the FAA is finding. Some of them in places where they've already deployed 5G systems and we don't see these problems emerging. 
Now, again, none of this is definitive. There might well be some additional problems here, unique circumstances here in the United States or particular equipment. But the FCC set up an explicit process to deal with it by encouraging the formation of a multi-stakeholder group so that you didn't have to pull this kind of a game of chicken where you threaten to shut down air travel before Thanksgiving if you don't get what you want. All of a sudden, they realize that there's an inflection point. There's a lot of you know, moving parts about ready to go in with putting out the 5G deployment. A cynic that I was talking about, I'm very cynical. So somebody I was talking to called this the Jeff Bezos problem. They said, you know, they just don't want to upgrade these altimeters unless somebody else is going to pay for it. And I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. And then I, you know, looking also at the perspective of, I guess, Canada is suggesting what they're going to do is restrict 5G transmitters around big airports. Not that there's that many big airports in Canada. There's a lot of small airports. And from reading what's going on in business aviation, it seems like the smaller guys are the ones that actually may have a little more to be concerned about than the major airports. So I think you're absolutely right in the idea that there's an inflection point here and they're utilizing it to their benefit. Yeah, it's not just the holidays. It's also the deployment timeframe for 5G where the industry is just ready to take capture of the C-band at the, the lower 100 and, and really utilize it in their networks for those companies that are starved for spectrum. So it's it's a certainly an inflection point, and they're trying to maximize it. They also have a new administration. The last administration had had not listened to the, their concerns, I guess, sufficiently to their point. And now they have a new one that's willing to, to listen wrongly in mind, give it credence. And that's where we are. You have got the threat that consumers and, and Americans are going to you know, fall from the sky from this, you know, especially upon takeoffs and landings. It really scares the public unnecessarily rather than trying to work through some of the collaborative process. But but even you get to the collaborative process, you, you think what the commission did here, we, you know, a huge guard band, 220 megahertz of guard band that's unprecedented that I can think of in modern spectrum policy in terms of protecting another entity that really shouldn't have, you know, their space is the 4.2 to 4.4. They're worried about the 3.8 to the 3.98 spectrum. I mean, they're really, you know, bleeding in terms of, of, of how much protection they're seeking and the commission already bend over backwards to address their concerns in my mind. Yeah, I just want to add, I think the big problem here is not that we have an administration that necessarily is believing the FAA over the FCC. I think the problem has been we've left the FCC and, and NTIA positions open for far too long. It's particularly NTIA is the agency that is supposed to manage the way in which other executive branch agencies operate when it comes to spectrum and spectrum policy. And it takes a lot of work. The George W. Bush administration and the Obama administrations both invested a lot of White House credibility in making sure that everybody plays nice because the agencies don't have authority over each other. So if the agencies decide they're going to go around NTIA and you know put stuff out in the press or go to the Hill on their own, there's nothing NTIA can do. But it makes a real difference if you have an actual political appointee there in place who is operating at the same level as the head of the sister agency and who, frankly, is able to call up to the Secretary of Commerce or to the White House if necessary and say, hey, you know, you really got to talk to these guys because they're running crazy. Points well taken, but I do worry that, you know, it's not just about people and personnel. You could have, you know, the best person in NTIA, but if, you know, if the administration doesn't give them credence, it doesn't recognize the decisions they're making, you really don't get that far. I mean, and that's been the problem with NTA. We've had administrators and it just hasn't really been beneficial. Now, if you think about it, NTA actually is charged by statute with this role. 
And so they're, you know, the other agencies are going around it and ignoring you know, federal law enacted by Congress for their own benefit. And that, that shouldn't be allowed, but it is for, for whatever reason. I'd like to see that, that corrected. You know, there's lots of different spectrum ideas that are put out there you know, to address the authority of NTIA, and that, that needs to be fixed, I think, my mind going forward. Do you think having the upcoming hearing for potential Chairman Rose Morsel is also playing into the politics on this? Well, I think it might be. I mean, one of the things that's important is the Senate Commerce Committee is also the Senate Transportation Committee, which is not the case on the House side. So to the extent that the FAA and the aviation industry are going to have allies in Congress, they're likely to be on that committee. On the other hand, I don't see this as a major issue derailing the confirmation hearings. I do think that that may have played into the decision of AT&T and Verizon to delay this a month to not get caught in the politics of nomination and wait a month and see if there's some way that they can satisfy the FAA's concerns on their own. I mean, you mentioned that in Canada, they're going to lower the power around some of the airports. I mean, these are the kinds of things that should have been discussed in the working group before now, but where from everything we can see publicly, the aviation industry just took the attitude of, we don't want to see 5G turned on in this band. And as long as they were not willing to have a serious discussion about this, there wasn't really anything that anybody could do. You guys have talked about the interagency challenges. What happens to just the inter-industry situation? Carriers have said, okay, we'll hold off for a month to give you guys some more time to make sure that we're really feeling good about this, considering we talk about planes. I think that's civilized. What happens come January 5th when, you know, maybe a decision isn't made? Can they just move forward? Well, the industry has rights in terms of the use of the spectrum. And until the commission changes it or asks them, you know, and, and, and decrees differently, then, then they can move forward. They're nice enough to extend the time frame. I'm not sure it's for the hearing as much as it is just trying to address the, the public concerns about, you know, they don't want to be on the wrong side of a story that, that certainly, you know, suggests that they're threatening the American flying public, which is not accurate in my mind, but certainly then they want to be able to be able to say that they've done everything they can to try and work these issues out. I worry about the power limits, though, that, that Harold mentioned, in, in, potentially in Canada, because you have a lot of places, big markets, where it's not the big, necessarily, airports that are the that are issue. It's helicopter pads and small JAA planes, which are, you know, prevalent in big cities. You've got a lot of those. And if you start knocking out portions of big cities to try and address this issue, you've got a patchwork and you make the economics really tough and you make the ability to serve that community extremely difficult. Mike raises an excellent point here about the longer term impact for the wireless industry on deployment, where we had a rulemaking, we had an auction, the industry collectively spent over $80 billion. And now they potentially find themselves looking at some sort of What's going to make the FAA happy so that they can move forward? I mean, with no idea as to what the time frame potentially could be, no idea what the cost would be if the FAA is not willing to have the industry, the aviation industry, take any steps to upgrade their equipment if they think that that's the problem. So at the moment, one month is not going to be a significant issue. The problem is if this drags on indefinitely, what this does, not just to AT&T and Verizon's deployment, but to the faith that the industry can have generally that, you know, when they have an auction and the FCC sets rules, that they will actually be able to develop a deployment schedule and get things out on time. And I hope that the FAA takes that issue into account as well, because, you know, the fact is that eventually, if you can't resolve this 
nicely by the agencies, then one of two things has to happen. Either you call the FAA's bluff and you know the companies turn on their systems, or Congress has to step in. And neither one of those is a particularly pleasant option. Especially when we're not clear on the facts that are causing the challenge. And I, Mike, I think your point about the juxtaposition of airports is a really good one because airports are tend to be a major point of commerce. A lot of what we're looking at in the 5G space is really more machine to machine. I mean, I know humans like everything to be about themselves, but I used to work for the Secretary of Transportation a long time ago. And, you know, we helped move the Denver airport from Stapleton, you know, out to where DIA is now. And then you just watch, you know, everything migrates towards the airport because it's where a lot of commerce likes to take place. So, yeah, that's a very good point to say that you even when you want to put guard bands just around an aviation area, a lot of times there's just that's going to be very challenging because that's where a lot of warehouses are and a lot of people that work can really benefit from the, the ability of bringing 5G to the table. So really interesting. Well, thanks, guys. We'll keep up with you, you know, see what's going on here. But I think we'll be watching December 5th and January 5th and, and seeing what comes to the table before then. So thank you for being guests today on Explain to Shane. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Explain to Shane. For more episodes, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred listening platform. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues to tune in. We'll see you on the next episode of Explain to Shane.